0: Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We get the opportunity this morning to study God coming into the world. God coming into the world. And I challenged the choir last night. I told them this is where I will be speaking uh, this morning, talking about these things. And I challenged them to look into it and see how this relates to the birth of Christ, uh, the the narratives of His birth. So tonight, uh, tonight... (laughs) I'm sorry, I've been standing up too long, my brains are starting to hurt. This morning, we're going to get to study the first nine verses of the the Gospel of John in the first chapter. So we're going to be looking into God coming into the earth. Uh, Let's read our verses together as we begin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. This morning, as we're studying the birth of Christ, as we get ready to to celebrate Jesus' birth, let's celebrate him coming into the world together. Let's pray, please. God, again, we bow before you, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather together to worship your holy name, to present our praises to you, not only to hear from you from your word, but Father, to to internalize it, make it part of us, open our understanding. May the Spirit speak to us today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So this morning we're going to look into several scriptures, but we're going to stay here in John chapter 1. I wanted to read to you as we begin, though, these verses. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel." Emmanuel, of course you know, means God with us. And then in chapter 9 of Isaiah, in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then in in Luke chapter 2, the birth account in the Gospel of Luke, in verse 11 The angel speaking to the shepherds said, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This morning as we think about God coming into the world, going back to what it said there in Isaiah, how is a baby being born into the world the mighty God? How is a newborn child the everlasting Father? You see, it can only happen if you're God. It can only happen because God ordained it, God planned it, God had it in mind, and He carried His plan out in due time. The everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, the everlasting God, the mighty God, came into this world. And going back to John chapter 1, John begins his gospel and he starts talking about God's Word coming in the flesh. As it says in verse 14 of that first chapter, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's describing that man, that God-man, the Savior that was proclaimed in the Old Testament and begins to tell his story in the New Testament. So what we are looking at this morning, the first two verses, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. What we see in the birth of the Savior is that the timeless submitted himself to time. The timeless one, the everlasting one, the one who is eternal life, he submitted himself to time. Now, think about the creation process, all right? He established days, nights, weeks, seasons, years. He established all those things. He created time. God did because He lives outside of time. And as He created it, then He became subject to it. But He was timeless. As it says in Micah, the. the reference in the Old Testament where when Herod asked the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, all the religious leaders, when he asked them when the, the Messiah was to be born, the king was to be born, they came to this passage of Scripture, they quoted it to him, and said it's going to be Bethlehem. And listen to it. It says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. See, not only did it tell where Jesus was going to be born, but it said that He was everlasting. He is eternal. He is God. So, looking into the Old Testament Scriptures, those who were studying it knew that the one to come was going to be God. Either they knew it, or they skipped over it and didn't understand it. But here's the thing. It said God is becoming Part of his creation there's going to be one who will come who is eternal i think it's grammatically incorrect to say he was eternal because he hasn't stopped being eternal or that he will be eternal because he is always going to be eternal he is he is and the scripture says whose goings forth are from of old from everlasting so the prophecy is that the eternal God would enter into time, the timeless One enters into time. And in Psalm verse 20, uh, sorry, Psalm 90 verse 2, it said this of the mighty God: Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you were for, had formed the earth and the world, from even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now. It's talking about God in the Old Testament. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit as they were in the Old Testament. They were from everlasting to everlasting. They are eternal. They are. So the timeless one, the eternal one, submitted himself to time. Jesus, in speaking with the Pharisees and Sadducees and was talking to them about himself, he said this, they were talking about him and how he wasn't... Uh, who He said He was, but Jesus said this uh, in verse John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said, before Abraham was. Now, Abraham was the father of Israel, and this was many, many years before Christ was born into this world, but He told them that He was eternal in saying that. He said, before Abraham was, I am eternal. They understood that what he said was that he was God. Because only God can say, I am self-existent. In no no need for anything or anybody. I am. When Jesus said that, of course, they called him a blasphemer. They They wanted to kill him all the more because he said he was God. He is the timeless one. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, he said this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus says, I have always been, I always will be. It begins with me, time, creation, begins with him, but also it will end with him. He will always be. The timeless one submitted himself to time in coming into the world. And then, look in verse 3, John chapter 1. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus is the creation agent. The creator, though, in his birth, entered into creation. Actually, before his birth, at his conception. He entered into creation at his conception. For me to understand this, I I think about uh, God's creation. And I'm looking at a tree, of course, God created all things, all thing that is. He created all those things. I see a tree, and I see how intricately it is made. And some people say, well, it is pretty simple. You know, the roots, the trunk, the branches, the the fruit, and all those things. But no, it's not that simple. There's so many little, tiny details that make a tree a tree that have to be in place in order for it to reproduce itself and continue to live, it is so magnificent, and that's just a tree. Imagine something a little more complicated, like you. See, God created every bit of it, and yet He subjected Himself to creation. Here's an amazing thought that that went through my head, and I, I just couldn't get it out of my head for a little bit. The Creator of all things, spent nine months in his mother's womb. You talk about constricting to yourself to time. This is the timeless one. Always has been, always will be. And yet, he set aside nine months to be in his mother's womb. And then after that, he had to learn to eat. He had to continue to grow, learn to crawl, learn to walk on the, the, the dusty roads there in Judea. Submitted himself to the growing process. We're not told very much at all about Jesus' childhood. The Creator submitted himself to creation. He entered into his creation. Again, it it baffles me how God can do that. You know, I like to make things... uh, I'm kind of a carpenter a little bit and I like to do wood crafts and things like that so I make stuff here and there and you know I would never become a shelf on the wall. (laughs) In making those things how could I make myself a screw or a nail to be a part of the project that I'm putting together? And that's the way that I kind of understood what Jesus did. He entered into the creation that He made. So that He could redeem the creation that He made. To save it. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says in verse 10, It was fitting for Him, for whom, all things, uh, who, whom are all things and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of the salvation perfect through sufferings. That Jesus had to enter into his creation in order to save his creation. And he had to suffer in order to do that. Imagine heaven. I mean, we 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 imagine heaven and we think about a wonderful, glorious place, and it is. Imagine having to leave that and come and live here. And and worse than what we've got it, because we've got electricity, air conditioning, com- comfortable pew, pu- we've got all uh, a lot of great amenities now that they didn't have in Jesus' day. Imagine submitting yourself to that, coming from glory, having angels at your beck and call, and always attending to your needs, but he doesn't have any needs. But he set all that aside to come and suffer through thirst and hunger and suffer through all of his childhood, all of his adulthood, and then suffer for our sin. Verse 17 and 18, it says this, same chapter, Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus had to become part of his creation. The creator Entered into creation. Now going back to John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The life giver was given life. The one who is life, himself, was given life. Now understand, not that he needed life because life is in him. It's not that He was not, and then He was. It's that He submitted Himself to living in the creation. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said of Himself, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life. He has life. He gives life. He is life. In Psalm 119, verse 105, the scripture says about the word, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Making sure that life comes into life, that the life came into life to live so that we may come from death into life. The timeless submitted himself to time. The creator entered creation, and the life giver was given life. And in verses 5 through 9, the light became, or or the light came to give light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. This was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. The light came to give light. Jesus was giving a parable about the gospel and about truth. And he said this, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Jesus came, entered into creation, the timeless one entered time, the creator entered creation, and yet, The life was given life, but now he came for the purpose of lighting the way for us. He said, You know, you don't light a lamp and then put it under something so that you can't see the light. When you have the light, the light shows the way. Jesus came that we may see the way, emulate his life, so that we will live our life in the way that is pleasing unto him and live our life without the disasters of pitfalls and traps and missing all the fiery darts of Satan. When we seek him, think about this. When you go home and it's dark in your house, what do you do? You turn on the light so that you can see how to get around in your house. When you're driving somewhere at night, you turn your headlights on so that your headlights will show you the way to go. Walking at night in the woods, flashlight, so that you can see obstacles, so that you can find your way, that you will be able to see what's there and make your way through it. The light came to show us the way so that He will illuminate before us the way that we're supposed to live, the things that we should avoid, the way that we should travel. You see, Jesus came to show us the way because He's the light. John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed see the light came into the world to give us light and the reason that we are not following the light and seeking out the way that He would have us to go is because we don't want the light to shine on the darkness that is living within us. Jesus came into this world to show us the way. And if we don't go the way that He shows us, not His fault when we mess up. Not His fault that we would die in our sins and go to hell. Because He has provided for us a way to Not only get out of hell, but to experience true life. Here and now, and in the time to come. That's why He came into the world. For you. You might have heard that before. Every preacher has gone on before me, if they were worth their salt, they said that. Jesus died for you. Jesus came for you. But listen, this morning. Very carefully, He lives so that you can know the way to live. His scripture says, take up your cross daily. He says, if you want to be my disciple, if if you love me, take up your cross daily and follow me. He's showing the way. And if you don't walk that path, then the light might as well be darkness for you. Did you know the scripture says those that go to hell it's going to be literally outer darkness? Weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm never dies and the fire's never quenched? There is no repentance in hell. There's no hope in hell. Before that time comes, While Jesus offers you light and life, follow Him. That's the reason He came. He came to save your soul, to redeem you back to God. He came so that you might know Him in His fullness, which is life in its fullness. This morning we've praised God. We've lifted His name on high because we sang about His birth and this morning also studying these verses of Scripture we see why, what He submitted Himself to in order to redeem us so that we could have that life. So this morning listen again to what it says in John chapter 3 verse 19 and this is the condemnation that the light has come asks you this morning to come to the light and receive life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Our God and Father, bowing before you now, we thank you that you submitted yourself, left heaven, came to earth, lived, died, resurrected ascended to heaven so that we may experience life that we may see the light Father today it's my prayer that you be honored and glorified here and during our invitation time I pray that your will be done among your people among your creation may we exalt you Father for those here this morning that don't have a personal relationship with you, that have not given themselves to you, obediently following you. Father, I pray that you will save them this morning through your love, through your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.